Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We try on this program to give Bible verses to prove what we say and not just tell you what we think, what we think is best, how we would like it to be, what will bring in the most people, what we think is politically correct. Instead, and I think you would agree with this approach, since God is our authority in religion and everything else for that matter, and since the Bible is the word of God, then the Bible is our authority by extension. It's God's the authority, but since the Bible is the word of God, then the Bible becomes our authority in religion. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then he said in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So only the truth is going to set us free for, from sin and God's word defines for us what truth is. Therefore, it behooves us to find out what God's truth is, because that's the only thing that's going to set us free. Religious error won't do it. Two plus two cannot equal four and five at the same time. I know a lot of religious people, denominational people want to believe that, but that's just not so. You have to believe, teach, and practice what the Bible says if you want to be pleasing to God, if you want to be saved. One thing that we've talked about before, but it's been two or three years, I think, is what is the truth about the deity of Christ? Is Christ deity? Meaning, is Christ also God? I don't mean that Christ is God the Father. No, God the Father and God the Son are two different individuals, but is Christ also God? And you would expect him to be. I, Carol and I have four children. I'm a human, so you would expect my children to be human. If God has a son, you would expect his son to also be God, also be deity. And we see this in a number of passages in the Bible. Let's start... First of all, by showing in the very beginning, God is referred to in the plural in a few cases. In Genesis 1.26, you'll be familiar with this verse. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, it's God there, singular, but it says, let us, plural, make man in our image after our, plural, likeness. So evidently, there's more than one person or individual in the Godhead because it's referred to in the plural, in the plural. And we know that this must be including Jesus Christ because it's, of course, talking about the creation. And we know that Jesus was involved in the creation. You can tell that from a passage like, how, there's a number of passages, John 1, 3, Colossians 1, 16. And how about this one? Hebrews 1, verse 2 says, God that's verse 1, and verse 2 says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So God made the worlds by Christ, or through Christ. So Christ was there in the beginning, involved in the creation, and that's what Genesis 1, 26 is talking about. So when it says, Let us, plural, make man in our image, after our, plural, likeness, it's talking about already in Genesis 1, the fact there's more than one person, as we like to call it, in the Godhead. Same thing in Genesis 3.22. Genesis 3.22 says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. Plural. The Lord God said that. And he said, Man has become as one of us. Now, can you talk about God in the singular? Of course, there's only one God. But you can also talk about God in the plural, as we, as we just demonstrated. Because there's more than one individual in the Godhead. One God, we might say three persons or three individuals 
in that one God. Now, I've had public religious debates with on this issue. I guess I've only had one. You have, the, as you know, the Watchtower Witnesses. They don't really believe Jesus is deity. They believe he was Michael the Archangel and he became a man. The Christadelphians don't believe Jesus is deity. They don't even believe Jesus existed at all before he was born of Mary. But the Bible calls Jesus God in six or eight or ten different places outright, flat out. And by the way, I mentioned a public religious debate. I'm willing to do public religious debates. Maybe you're a preacher. You disagree with something I say. I might be willing, if the opportunity's right, to come to where you are and have a public religious debate on that issue where both sides are fairly heard in a friendly way. We do time speeches, so there's no interruptions, so there's no danger of turning into a strife or a wrangle. Time speeches alternating where um, both sides of an issue, like the deity of Christ, can be heard. We see all kinds of examples of that in the New Testament. Paul, we see from Acts 19, 8 through 10, that he debated, basically, that's our word for it, two whole years daily in the school of Tyrannius. So he was debating quite a bit. What he was trying to do is contend for the faith. If somebody, you're presenting them to the faith and they, and they accept everything that you say without any reservation, that's great. But usually they're not. and You have to try to persuade them. You have to contend for the faith. Anyway, on the deity of Christ, I said there's a lot of passages that teach that outright. Let's go to John 20 to start with. You remember who we call Doubting Thomas? Well, that's who it's talking about in John 20, 28. It says, and Thomas answered and said unto him, talk, talking about Jesus, my Lord and my God. So Thomas calls Jesus God. And you say, well, Pat, Thomas might not have been inspired. How do you know he was right when he called Jesus God? Well, the very next verse, verse 29. Jesus replied back to him. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus is saying what Thomas said is the truth, that Thomas is blessed for believing that. So when Thomas calls Jesus God, God approves of that appellation, of that designation. Jesus approves of what Thomas said. Thomas was right when he called Jesus God. Now, we have these churches out here that teach Jesus was not God, but this verse teaches he was God. So they're not really willing to follow the Bible, what the Bible says. They're more wanting to follow what they think ought to be right. And since they can't figure out, for example, how you could have more than one person and one God, since they can't figure that out, they refuse to believe what the Bible says when it calls Jesus God. Number of verses called Jesus God. We'll look at some more in just a minute. But if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. If you're talking with one of these Watchtower folks and, they, and you're talking to them about the deity of Christ, it's kind of easy to remember to remember John 20, 28, which we've just been over, and Acts 20, verse 28. You see, they both end with chapter 20, verse 28. John chapter 20, verse 28, and Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Here's Acts 20. Verse 28. Let me read that for you. Acts 20, verse 28. Paul is talking to the elders here, and he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, it says church of God. How does that prove that Jesus is God? Because, you say, because you might think, well, that's talking about God the Father. 
No, it says to feed the church of God, which he, that's a pronoun that refers back to the last noun, God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. God the Father never had any, had any blood. The only person that purchased the church with his blood was Jesus Christ, Revelation 1, verse 5. So when it says to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, it's saying that the person that this is talking about, God purchased the church with his own blood. That's talking about Jesus Christ. The church of God is referring to the church of Christ. Because God, in this case, has to be referring to Christ because it said he purchased the church with his own blood. That can only be referring to Christ. So this verse, like John 20, 28, this verse, Acts 20, 28, proves conclusively that Jesus is deity. When I say conclusively, I don't necessarily mean I can't be wrong. I can misunderstand a verse. The word of God is what's right. Pat may be wrong. That's not what I mean by conclusively. What I mean is, if I'm understanding the verse correctly, then it proves that Jesus is deity. Not just It's not just talking about it. And maybe, well, we'd like to think that it means that Jesus is deity, even though it really doesn't imply that. No, this conclusively proves that Jesus is deity. God the Father is God. Jesus Christ is also God. You know, I think my favorite passage on this subject, showing the deity of Christ, is John chapter 1, verse 1. I don't know, you may be driving, but if you're not driving, turn in your Bibles to John 1. It's a very clear passage on this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, let me say this. When it's talking about the Word here, saying the Word was with God, the Word was God, um, don't be confused. Some people are. They think, say, oh, it's talking about the Word, that's talking about the Bible. No, you know the Bible, the Scriptures are called the Word of God sometimes. But so is Jesus Christ. That's another name for Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, 13, talking about Jesus, said he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So Jesus is called the Word of God. So in John 1, 1, it's talking about Jesus, not the Bible, not the Scriptures. Like we had two presidents named George Bush. The fact that they had the same name, it was still two different individuals. We have the Scriptures called the Word of God, and we also have Jesus called the Word of God. It doesn't mean Jesus is the Scriptures. No, Jesus revealed the Scriptures. Jesus uh, uh, instituted the scriptures. He authorizes the scriptures, but he's not the scriptures. And this is not talking about the word of God in the sense of the scriptures. It's talking about word, the word of God in the sense of Jesus. How do I know that? Because verse 14 of John 1 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's talking about Jesus Christ, clearly. So the word in this context is Jesus Christ. And verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus Christ. In the beginning, meaning he's never created. He, he goes all the way back through eternity, just like the Father. It says the word was with God. It's with God. That means he's not the same as God the Father. Some people think he, Jesus and God the Father are the same. But this proves conclusively that he's not God the Father. If I say, I went to the doctor the other day with my wife. That means that my wife and I are two different persons, not the same person. If you're with somebody else, that means you're not the same as that person. So when it says the word was with God, that proves that Jesus is not God the Father. But then it says, and the word was God. Now, that's our question for tonight. You have God the Father and he has a son. Wouldn't he also be God? Yeah, the word was God also. Not God the Father, he was deity. We already know he's not God the Father because it says the word was with God. Talking about God the Father. So it's different. Someone different than God the Father, but it says the Word was God, meaning He's also deity, just like God the Father. 
I think I've been going a little bit too fast here. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give me a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. How about Isaiah 9, verse 6? It says, For unto us a child is born, his name shall be called the mighty God. Among other names, I'm skipping a little bit to save some time. Among other names, it says his name, unto us a child is born, his name shall be called the mighty God. Who's that talking about? It's not talking about God the Father. It's talking about a son, a child. And his name shall be called the mighty God. So the child, Jesus Christ, would be called God. Deity. Not God the Father, but deity. He's God. He's deity just like his father, which you would expect. Again, my son is human just like his father, me. We're both human. You would expect that. If God had a son, then his son would be God. Deity, not God the Father, but God nonetheless. Deity nonetheless. One God, three persons. God, Father, God, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then how Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. Let me turn there. You turn there too if you can. Because I'd like for you to see these passages for yourself with your own eyes. It says, but unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Hmm. So it's talking about God here. And he he's talking to the Son, and he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. In other words, God the Father calls his son, calls the son, Jesus Christ, he calls him God. Now, if anybody knows, would know whether or not Jesus Christ is God, it would be God the Father. And he says, unto the son, he said, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so God the Father calls Jesus God or deity. So Jesus is clearly deity. God the Father wouldn't call him God if he wasn't God. Now, we have a lot of people that will argue with that, but they're arguing with God, aren't they? Mackenzie from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hello. Um, what is the context in the Old Testament of Deuteronomy 6-4? Well, in Deuteronomy 6-1, he's, he's given, the, here's some commandments, some statutes and judgments which the Lord God commanded you. So he's giving some things that the people need to do. And he says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So as I said before, this proves what I was saying before. There's only one God. Verse 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And that's, of course, uh, mentioned as as the greatest commandment in the New Testament, Matthew 22. What? Would that also be known as the Shema Yisrael or something like that? Yep. Yeah, I, I always called it the Shema, but maybe it is Shema. Shema sounds better, more Hebrewish. Yeah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Shema. That sounds right. That's the, probably the right way to pronounce it. And it proves cool. that there's only one God. Even though we see God the Father and God the Son in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Two different individuals. is still only one God. And we see that from cool. Deuteronomy 6.4. Does that make sense, Mackenzie? Yeah, that helps. Any other follow-up before I let you go? Um, No, I'm good. Okay, thank you for your call, Mackenzie.
very much. Appreciate it very much. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Great call from McKenzie, 877-655-6755. Call us now. The lines are open, 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. I'm turning now to Titus chapter 2, verse 13. I'd like you to consider this passage. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the last part of that verse could go two different ways. You you know, you could say, Pat is a father and son, and you'd be talking about uh, the same person. Uh, or you could say the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and be talking about God the Father and Jesus Christ, the Son, two different persons. But here I know it's like the former. Great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, are talking of two different names, you might say, for the same person. How do I know that? Instead of two different persons, how do I know it's two different names for the same person? Because it says, looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is talking about the second coming of Christ. God the Father is not coming. God the Son is coming. So this is talking about the glorious appearing of the great God. That's Jesus Christ, the second coming of Christ, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the great God and Savior, according to this. How do I know it's not talking about God the Father when it says great God? Because it says the glorious appearing of the great God. So you know it's talking about Jesus Christ. So this is talking about Jesus, and it calls him the great God. Again, we have a lot of people that say he's not deity, that he's just a great man. But this says he's deity, he's God, just like his father. And you would expect that. You would expect that. How about let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. And if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. Philippians 2, 6 says, well, let me start with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What this verse is saying is that to say Jesus is equal with God, God the Father, is not robbery, meaning he is equal. Now, if I were to say I'm equal with God, that would be robbery because I'm not anywhere close to being equal with God. If I were to say I'm equal with God, I would be taking something that doesn't belong to me, robbing from God. But this says it's not robbery for Jesus to be equal with God. So that means he is equal with God. Jesus is also God. How about Matthew 1, 21 through 23? Let's turn there. Turn with me if you can to Matthew 1, 21 through 23. Bible, by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, you can call on this topic or any other Bible topic. Call us at 877-655-6755. Here's Matthew 1, 21 through 23. Talking about Mary, it says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So, you know, Jesus is perhaps the most popular name for for Jesus. The name Jesus. We read in Revelation 19:13 another name or appellation for Jesus. The Word of God. Here's another one, Emmanuel. That's another name for Jesus. And it says the interpretation of that is God with us. So the indication is, is that Jesus is God with us. You see that? That's pretty clear. Jesus is God with us. And then one more passage 
that, uh, showing conclusively, calling Jesus God, is 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. So it's talking about God, but it said God was manifest in the flesh. Who would that be? That would be Jesus Christ, right? Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. Who would that be? Believed on in the world. Who would that be? Jesus Christ. Received up in the glory. That would have to be Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ was manifest in the flesh, preached to the Gentiles, and received up into glory. God the Father never left glory. So this is talking about Jesus Christ, and it calls him God. Rick from Wisconsin. Go ahead Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, I've got a question on when we get to heaven, are we going to see Jesus and God? And where does the Holy Spirit play into this? Yeah. When we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus and God mm-hmm. the Father and the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is also God, deity. I don't mean he's God the Father or he's God the Son. I mean he's also deity. You can learn mm-hmm. this from a passage, Rick, like Acts 5. Do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They lied to the apostles about the price they sold a possession for is the best way I could put it. I do. In, in I do. verse 3 of Acts 5, Peter said in, unto Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Okay? And then in verse Mm -hmm. 4, he says, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So Peter told Ananias in verse 3, You lied to the Holy Ghost. And in verse 4, he says, You haven't lied unto men, but unto God, which proves that the Holy Ghost is also God, also deity. Does that make sense, Rick? It does. And if we're made in the image of God... Is God about in proportion to our size and look no, like us in the image of God, features? The image of God has nothing to do with physical features, Rick, because remember, the Bible says God is a spirit, and a spirit hath not flesh mm-hmm. and bones, John 4, verse 24. So God, the Father, has no flesh and bones. When it says, when we read Genesis 1, 26 a while ago that said God made man in his image, it's not talking about physical, the size like you're talking about, anything physical. What it's talking mm-hmm. about, I believe, is that men, unlike animals, have an eternal spirit. When we die, we don't cease to exist like a dog. We're like God. Right. We keep on going. So we're in the image of God as opposed to an animal in that we have an eternal spirit. We're going to live forever or exist forever. We don't know how, where you're going to be. Live forever in heaven or you're going to exist forever in everlasting punishment, depending upon whether or not you serve God in this life. Matthew 25, 46 gives us both of those eternal destinations. It says, and these shall go into everlasting punishment, talking about the wicked, but the righteous unto life eternal. So even those who are wicked are going to continue to exist. They have an eternal spirit, uh, and the righteous will go into life eternal. Rick, any follow-up? Will they have a spirit body then? Will we have a spirit body when we get to heaven and we go from terrestrial to celestial? So, Rick, I'm gonna have to go off the air, but when you get when you get back to you where you can read the Bible, read First Corinthians chapter fifteen that talks about the resurrection. And it says okay. our physical bodies will be resurrected, but then we'll be changed. Our mortality mm-hmm. will put on immortality. For example, we're mortal now subject to death, but we won't be subject to death then. So our bodies will be resurrected. And then change. So I take it in heaven, we'll have a body, 
but it'll mm-hmm. be different than the one we have now. I don't know much more than that. Our bodies resurrected and then changed. According, read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. That whole chapter is well, on that you. subject, Rick, okay? Well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your call, Rick. Appreciate everybody's calls. I appreciate you so much listening it every week to Bible Crossfire. Try to listen next week at this same time and tell your friends about it. Go to BibleCrossfire.com if you want to listen to old programs or sign up for a Bible correspondence course over the Internet. Sign up for a one-hour phone Bible study with me. Well, let me mention that. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, free of charge, as I said, sometime at your convenience, I want you to call or text me after this program is over in about a minute. The number to call or text is 256-682-9753. Pat Donahue, 256-682-9753. 